New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told him a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Well, I am, I'm Pastor Ben, and it is my privilege this morning to share God's word with you. So if you're here or you're watching online, I'm just so excited that we have this opportunity to dig into God's truth and God's word and learn something from him today. So in the early 2000s, I lived in this, this wonderful apartment. I was on the second floor of a two-story building, and I loved everything about my apartment. I had two bedrooms, bathroom, kitchen, a big living area, and it was incredibly affordable. It was wonderful. Except for one thing, I had a downstairs neighbor right below me who snored so loudly. It would wake me up in the middle of the night. She snored so loud. It sounded like she was actually in my room with me snoring, which I assure you, she was not. It was just that loud. But here's the irony. If I were to walk around, as she called it, stomping around my apartment, she would come up to my, my apartment, pound on the door until she got my attention and tell me, you're just pounding around on the floor. It's all I can hear. It's so loud. And when I tried to apologize... You say, speak up. I'm hard of hearing and I can't hear you. Now, I don't know how I got the only person in America that somehow simultaneously was hard of hearing and had sensitive hearing, but I did. It was this great miracle that I got to experience in my life. But when I experienced that, I knew it was time to get out. It was time to get my own place. And I thought, if I can get a house... I won't have to deal with downstairs or upstairs or anything of that normal apartment living. And so I thought, I'll get some friends, some acquaintances. We'll rent a house together, and it will be wonderful. So I found a house down the road. I got some people to live in that house or consider living in that house. And then I talked to the landlord. 
And I told him, hey, look, we want to live here. We think this would be a good fit, but the price, it's a little bit too steep. Is there a way that we can get that price knocked down? And he said, well, I have some projects around the house that, that you could do if you have some background in these types of things. And I said, yeah, we, we can do those things for you, right? We have some construction people and some landscaping people. And so we can do all the projects that you want. He said, great, because I need some wallpaper taken down, some painting, some floors redone, some trees cut down, just a whole laundry list of things. And he said, if you do this for me, then I'll reduce your rent down to this, this amount. And I said, great, because we can pay that amount and we can do those projects. And so we moved in. We moved in and we did all the projects. We paid the rent on time. And when our year was up of that lease, it was time to move up, move out. And so right before we moved out, I got this stranger showing up at my door, knocking on my door, who asked for Benjamin Anderson, which is my legal name, not the name I go by. And that should have, you know, thrown up some red flags because no one calls me Benjamin Anderson unless it's my mom and she's mad, right? You all know the drill. And so when this person asked for me by my legal name, I was too naive at that point in time in my life. And I said, I'm Benjamin Anderson. And he handed me an envelope and he said these words that I will never forget. You've been served. And as I opened up the envelope, I realized how much I missed my downstairs neighbor. Because when I opened it up, my landlord was suing me for $50,000 for doing projects on his house without his permission. Greed. Greed is defined this way. A selfish and excessive desire for more of something than is needed, such as money. Well, today we're continuing into our series, The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And we've been diving into these amazing stories told by Christ, by the person who is truly the greatest storyteller ever. And he would travel around, he would tell these stories because this is what he knows, that stories have the power to transform. Because stories, they stick with us. And when things stick with us, we think about them. And when we think about them long enough, they begin to transform us. And that's what Christ did. He would tell these amazing, amazing stories. So today, we're going to step into a conversation between Jesus and this guy who was struggling with greed. Right? He was destroying his life. And so Jesus told this guy a story. Because he knows that this story has the power to transform this individual. So if you're stepping in today and you're thinking, wait, this is a series I missed out last week, don't worry. You can go to our website, you can catch up, you can watch the sermon or listen to the sermon because I, I don't want you to miss out on any of these stories, any of these conversations between Jesus and us because they truly do have the power to transform your life. So today we're going to step into the Gospel of Luke and we're going to look at this piece of history mixed with this amazing story that Jesus told that still transforms our lives today. And this is how it begins. Someone in the crowd said to him, so as we step into Luke's recording of this history about Christ's life, he starts off by saying, hey, there was a large crowd. Now, if you know Christ's story, you know that oftentimes he would teach to large crowds because he became very, very popular. And so people knew about his miracles and his teaching and his stories and word got around and the crowds 
grew and grew and grew and grew. In fact, at some point in time, it was told us in Scripture that there were thousands of people, thousands of people listening to Christ. And so as we enter into this piece of history, that's exactly what's happening. There's thousands of people surrounding Christ, wanting to hear his story, see the miracles, and hear the teaching. So we find this individual in this moment, in this crowd of thousands upon thousands of people. And this is what this person says. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. So this guy makes his way up to the front. He's talking to Jesus. This says, teacher, this is what's going on. I need you to get my brother to give me some money, right? He owes me some inheritance. He owes me money and I want this money. Now, this statement isn't that weird because Jesus was a rabbi. He, he was a teacher. And so oftentimes what would happen is people would come to the rabbis, they would come to the teachers, and they would ask them to help them understand the law, right? Help them understand the Jewish law, to make a judgment sometimes. But what's strange about this statement to Jesus it is not that he's asking Jesus. It's strange because this statement or this law was crystal clear. You see, if you go to the Old Testament, you, you can find the answer to this question or, the, or the, the connecting the rule to the statement is that when you were to give an inheritance, the law was this. You would give an inheritance to every son equally, except for the firstborn, you would give a double portion. So what this means is that this guy fought through all these crowds, sat out in the hot sun to get to the front. So he had enough space where he could get to Jesus to ask him a question that any rabbi could answer because this was a no brainer. This was easy. Any rabbi would say, well, the law is crystal clear. All the inheritance should be equally divided and the firstborn gets the, the highest portion. So the question is, why is this guy asking Jesus, right? Why would he ask Jesus specifically? And apparently Jesus picks up on it, that this is kind of odd. And so he responds, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? In other words, why are you asking me, right? This is easy. You could ask any rabbi, why are you asking me? Now, this is just speculation on my part, but, but I have a feeling that the brother in question, right, the brother who's not giving this guy the money, has some sort of relationship with Jesus. He's either a, a Christ follower or a respecter of Christ. And so this guy thinks, if, if I can get Jesus to side with me, this guy will just fall in line. Right? He's trying to use Jesus in his little game to get his money. He's trying to use Jesus as a pawn. And Jesus apparently pick something on it. Like, why are you asking me? So Jesus gives him an answer. This is what he says. Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So he starts off by saying, take care. In other words, I'm going to give you not what you want, but what you need, because I care about you. And he tells him, this is what greed does to you. Greed will destroy your life because life isn't about what you own. Greed destroys your life. 
And you guys all know this already. Because you've seen this in people's lives, right? You have family members and friends and you, you see it in their lives where greed takes a hold and it begins to destroy them and you see the broken relationships and the questionable business deals. And you see all the destruction that greed brings into their life. And to be honest, it's really easy to see greed in other people's lives and it's much harder to see greed in our own life. But Jesus wants this guy to find a new path. He wants him to go in a different direction because this guy knows far too well that greed has destroyed his life. This is why they're having this conversation because greed had destroyed his relationship with his dad and greed had destroyed his relationship with his brother. And if it hadn't, they wouldn't be having this conversation, would they? So Jesus wants to help this guy find a better way remove the greed, take a true account of what life is truly about and go in this direction. And if you do, your relationship with your family will be restored. And guess what? You'll probably get what you really want. But Jesus sees that he's not quite getting it. Right? As clear as he was, this guy is not internalizing it. He's not holding on to it. He hasn't had that transformation experience yet. So Jesus begins to teach a story. Because he knows that stories have the power to transform. And this is the story that he told. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. So Jesus begins a story about this rich guy. Now, starting off, he says he's already rich, right? This guy already has a lot of resources. He's done very well for himself. But also what happens is in his life, he has this bumper crop, right? So he's rich and now he's even more rich and he's having this issue. I don't know where to store all my stuff. You got to feel bad for this guy, right? A rich guy with rich guy problems. I have so much, I can't keep it. I have so much, I don't know where to store it. Let's modernize this a little bit. This is like somebody living in the Sock Valley saying, I have so much money. I hate living in the Sock Valley because there's not enough places to spend my money. There's not enough restaurants. There's not enough stores. I mean, this is not a great place for me because I have all this money and nowhere to spend it. I have all this money and there are not enough banks in the area to hold all my money because they only have so much FDIC insurance. That means that I have to take some of my money and go to the Quad Cities. Man, you just feel bad for this guy, don't you? Well, the story goes on. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. So he creates a solution. Right? He looks around his property. He sees the barns. They're not sufficient. I need something new. I need something more. But this is what he doesn't do. He doesn't take his barn and expand it. And he doesn't put new barns around his property. He actually wipes out a perfectly good barn. A barn that probably was the envy of the town that anyone else wished he would just take it and put it onto their property. But instead he destroys his barn to build a bigger one. This is this guy's solution. Well, Jesus moves on. And the guy says, I will say to my soul, soul, 
You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So this guy, he has a conversation with himself, right? My soul said to my soul. I consulted myself and I came to this conclusion. The conclusion is I have arrived, right? I have finally arrived. I've finally gotten to where I want to go. And because I've gotten here, because I've consulted with myself and not my priest or pastor, financial consultant, counselor, family member, or friend, because I spoke to myself, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to relax. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. And I'm going to be happy, right? I'm going to be merry. Listen to those words. It's all about himself. I'm going to take my riches to relax, to eat, to drink, and to make myself happy. And do you know what that feels like in real life? Utterly empty. It's so easy to fall into this trap. Now, as we read the story, as we think about the story, I I do want you to understand, if if you're thinking it, that this is an attack on rich people by Jesus or or maybe myself, that that's not the case because God loves all people, which means God loves rich people and God loves poor people and God loves everyone in between. And for all those people that he cares about and loves, he has a mission. He has a purpose. He calls them to give generously and to serve generously. And what's interesting about this is that every one of us has a unique gift and ability that God has called us to serve. But the reality is, God has given some people this amazing ability to make excessive amounts of money, right? To do really well for themselves. And that's a gift that God gave them. Now, why would he give them this gift? Not so they could eat and drink and relax and be happy. Not so that they could pour back into his mission and purpose in the world, to take those resources and expand his kingdom, expand his message, to invest not into things that are temporary, but to invest into things that are eternal. So I love generous rich people. And I love generous poor people. And I love generous people that are somewhere in the middle of those conversations. And this is why when we take offering, you're going to hear these words very consistently. We say, thank you so much for being generous and pouring into the ministries of new life. And then we say this, because without you, we couldn't fulfill our mission and vision to transform the hearts and lives of our community and our world. And I say those things because they're true. Because I'm incredibly grateful for your sacrifice. I'm incredibly grateful for your generosity. And the truth is, if you stopped giving this week, we would close the doors in about a month. That's the reality. So we pour our resources into our family of faith here so that we can bring transformation to every place because we have a wonderful mission and vision. And we have a lot of dreams that we're living out And we have even more dreams that we're waiting to live out when the resources show up so we can do those things. But here's the thing. Far too many times in far too many churches, we take this and we make it about ourselves. Right? We want to relax. We want to eat. We want to drink. We want to be happy. 
And you know what the result is? Emptiness. Emptiness in our hearts and emptiness in our churches. Well, Jesus moves on. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? God uses some pretty harsh language here. He calls this guy a a fool. Not because he's angry at him or he hates him. No, he wants to shake him out of his apathy. You fool, this greed is destroying you and everything around you and the people around you. You are a fool. But we all get caught in this very easy. Right? We think things like this. If, If I have enough money, then I'll be safe. And God says, you're a fool. Or I have so much money, it must mean I'm important. And God says, you're a fool. Or because I have so much money, that must mean I'm smart. You're a fool. In Christian circles, it sounds like this. Because I have a lot of money, it must mean that God loves me more because he's richly blessed me. You are a fool. Every time that we make the point of life about money or what we own, we are fools. And what happens with fools? When they die, all their stuff, all their money, all their checking accounts, all their cars, all their clothes, go to people that they don't like. And those people didn't like them. So Jesus wants to bring this home. He wants us to apply it to our lives. He wants this guy to apply it to his life. And so this is what he says. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Greed. It's when we empty our hearts to fill our wallets. So I found myself in the courtroom with a suit that did not fit next to my lawyer. And these witnesses were coming forward. And they're sharing their points of view of the story. And finally, my lawyer went forward with two pieces of paper. The first one was the real estate ad for the cost of the house, the asking price of the house, just before I moved in. The second piece of paper was the amount that this guy was asking for the sale of his house a week after I moved out. Guess which one was $50,000 more? The case was done. It was over. It was dismissed. And guess who got the check? It was me. Because greed destroys your life. As we encounter the story about greed and we encounter this man who was struggling, Jesus has this question that, that's gnawing at the core of this conversation And and it's this for us today. What truly matters? What truly matters in your life? Is it the shoes that you own or the clothes that you have in your closet? Is it the car or cars you have parked in your garage? Is it the size of your house or the size of your business? What truly matters? You see, the beauty of this story and the beauty of this question is that each and every one of us still has time. We still have time to change and reprioritize our life. 
which means all those things that truly matter, we can still do. We can shift the things back into the places that where they are supposed to go, which means we can still offer forgiveness to that brother and sister that's been far too many years. We can still offer forgiveness to our mom and dad because of that bitterness that we hold on to. We can still have that conversation with that friend or my brother or my sister or that coworker about spiritual things. Sharing our faith because we've been putting it off far too long. So my question that I'm going to leave with you this morning is this. What truly matters? 